Welcome to Reckoning. My name is Ingrid, and I'm starting this podcast to share open and honest discussions about our experiences with death. I'm hoping that as a culture, we can grow to talk about it without it being feared as a heavy, scary, and overwhelming topic. Let's talk about it more, get a little more comfortable with it, wrestle and wonder and ask questions. Let's reckon with it. We all have to deal with this aspect of life. We will lose everyone we know and we ourselves will die. So how can we face this reality with eyes more open, with some grace, humility, understanding, and even appreciation? How can we embrace this aspect of being a human and use it as a way to grow, learn, and expand? The goal of this podcast is to turn toward these shared experiences, using our stories and collective wisdom to gain some courage and strength and skill to face it. I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to and have these conversations with me. Thanks for being willing to reckon with the topic of death and dying. This interview is part of a series of seven interviews I did with classmates for a project in my end-of-life class. I'm so grateful to them for sharing so vulnerably and taking the risk to tell their story to me when some of us have only met on Zoom or only met in this one class. If you haven't checked it out yet, I created an episode where I combined all seven interviews into one, and I highly recommend listening. Rosie Buford, and um, I live in Independence. Um, I'm originally from Montana, but I've called Oregon home now for 13 years, so I suppose it should be home. (laughs) Um, And I am here today because I saw your project, and I love what you're doing. I love these conversations, and in all honesty, I find catharsis for myself in these kinds of conversations because I don't get to have them very often. And for me, it's, it's a a bit of honoring, you know, the, you know, my own loss. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Yay. Well, I'm I'm glad you're here. And (laughs) um, yeah, I feel really excited about, um, yeah, being able to have conversations with folks outside of my own like typical sphere. And so it feels really exciting to, yeah, get to know you on this deeper level as well as just instead of just a classmate now, you're going to be Rosie, this person I know on, on this level. So, um, So yeah, tell me about your loss and that story and um, tell me about that experience. Yeah, so um, the story starts as a fertility journey. Um, My husband and I spent three and a half years of, you know, trying to have a baby and, you know, that journey in itself has a lot of grief and, you know, a lot of um, difficulty that, you know, isn't talked about and, um, it feels really isolating Mm -hmm. and often your friends, you know, don't know how to respond. And there's, you know, these awkward moments when your friend wants to tell you that they're pregnant, but they don't know how that's going to land for you who can't get pregnant. Um, but the, um, 
we found out that we were finally pregnant and, um, we were pregnant with twins (laughs) and, um, and the pregnancy was going very well. Um, I was very healthy. Things were going well, which, um, you know, is always kind of a concern with twins Mm -hmm. and you don't quite know what to expect. And about, at five months, um, you know, we had an ultrasound. Um, we were seeing a specialist just because, again, I was a high-risk pregnancy um, person anyway. Um, and we went to um, to Portland to a specialist. And in the ultrasound, they said, you know, um, one of the babies is a lot smaller than the other baby. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. You know, twins are different sizes. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for it. So we're just going to keep an eye on it. Everything looks normal. Um, and this was, again, it was about, I guess it probably was more like six months. Um, so they wanted a one-month follow-up. And I was still kind of going to my regular OBGYN, you know, checking heartbeats and, you know, all the normal things. But um, at seven and a half months, um, the day after my baby shower, um, Mm. we went into um, we went back to the specialist and this was our checkup. And it was, you know, scary because it was like, this is the moment to see if Nora, you know, is is still growing, is still doing well. And, you know, there's just a lot, a lot of anticipation and, you Mm -hmm. know, hoping for validation. Um, And, you know, we didn't get that, you know, Mm -hmm. we showed up and um, I remember watching the, the tech looking at, um, and it was kind of funny because the tech was so mean. (laughs) She Mm -hmm. was like the meanest woman. It was, I don't know if she was just having an awful day or what the deal was, but she was very rude to me. And Mm -hmm. I wanted to convey to her, I'm, I'm not trying to, to be pushy, um, or, um, inconvenient for you. Um, but this is a really scary appointment for me. Mm -hmm. And, um, I need, I need your compassion. Um, but that didn't come. And Mm. so she checked, um, she checked Sloan, which is our, our healthy, happy five-year-old daughter first. And, um, so we had to go through and wait while she was checking all the normal things. And I'm watching the screen and I'm trying to remember what I know about, um, you know, ultrasounds and what she's seeing, what she's measuring. Um, but of course, you know, she's looking at, at, um, Sloan and Sloan is healthy and and she wasn't the one that we were worried about. It was like, oh my God, get, get to Nora. I need, I need to know, um, how Nora is doing. And when she finally got to Nora, you know, she's, she's chick again, taking the measurements, but she's not speaking to me. And Mm -hmm. I would ask questions, but she would say, I'm, I'm not giving you any information until, um, Mm -hmm. the doctor comes in. And uh, finally, she just abruptly stopped and said, I found no heartbeat for Nora and then mm. exited the room. And that was it. Um, mm. You know, she was and then she was gone for 20 minutes. I, I, I didn't know. I mean, I, you know, of course, just I started crying. And I, but then I had no idea what that meant, because mm. I still have a baby that's health or, you know, supposedly doing fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And, you know, this part of me was like, could she be wrong? Um, you know, just um, just all the questions and, um, you know, none of the existential questions came up in that moment. That happens later. But um, but just in that moment, it was like, OK, so now what? Like, 
what do we do? And, Mm. you know, we had to sit there wondering. And I was like Googling stuff because Mm. we were sitting in this room for 20 minutes. Mm. And finally, the doctor came in and thank God the doctor must have either had been having a better day or just been a nicer person. (laughs) She she was significantly more compassionate. Mm. So, um, you know, she stepped in and um, and then and then was able to explain what was going on and and we were able to kind of embrace what was happening and and it was a whirlwind it was very difficult Mm. oh wow I uh I mean that just sounds like so much to hold in that one moment you know that um I don't know the thing that I'm immediately struck by your story so far is just holding that that life and birth um and death and loss all of that together in the same, yeah. in the exact same body. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. And, and I'm, I'm sorry that, I mean, uh, sorry for a number of things, but specifically really sorry that that moment had to be met and dealt with, with somebody else who couldn't really show up for you in that space. And um, I, I've, you know, I've heard many stories of people navigating medical systems. Um, and there's so much of a process of self-advocacy and trying to navigate terminology and systems. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it, yeah, I think whirlwind was the word, the word that you used. And it's, yeah, it, yeah, it's very confusing. So it was, yeah. Um, and you've, I mean, you've nailed it. There was all of these things happening at once, like Mm. medical stuff and asking questions about my health, Sloan's health and, you know, Mm. what happens to the body, all of our bodies, what happens Mm -hmm. to Sloan's body and Nora's body and my body. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, and then, you know, trying to process mentally and emotionally and spiritually, um, Nora, and um and her life and um mm-hmm. and like you said holding now this concept of i have two babies and one is going to be you know coming into this world alive and one is going to not mm-hmm. um and how do i feel about that as a mom mm-hmm. and you know just what does that mean mm-hmm. and and specifically in the context of what you had said of like this long process of you know, trying to determine fertility and was mm-hmm. pregnancy even going to happen. And then to, mm-hmm. so that, that adds another layer of, um, yeah. I, you know, I, I'm not a mom, but I have, you know, quite a few friends that, that are, and, you know, everything I've heard from folks is that it's such a minefield of judgment mm-hmm. and shame and guilt and, oh, you're not breastfeeding. Oh, you're not staying at home. Oh, you are staying home. You don't have a job anymore. Oh, you know, just all yep. of those things. And that's, yeah. And, mm-hmm. oh, you couldn't get pregnant the first time, you know? Oh, like just, yeah, there's so yes. much of that. Um, yes, there is a lot. Yeah. Every, and everybody has an opinion mm-hmm. and everybody had an opinion about about this situation mm-hmm. you know people um people are like well at least you have a baby to take uh. home <laughs> or all things you know um God uh. never gives us more than we can handle <laughs> or you know um you know this is meant to happen um mm. you, you know things like right. that where it's right. like right. those um really mess with you mm-hmm. you know when you're grieving 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the irony of the situation was, I mean, I was grateful because I worked in a mental health facility at the time I was managing a mental health clinic. So, um, on one hand, I had a lot of mental health support <laughs> um, because my, you know, the therapists that I work with were my friends and um, they were offering really genuine support. And I went to work the next day because wow. I didn't know what else to do. Yeah. I, I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there, you know, I think um, a lot of my family um, in, in their faith belief systems really were dismissive, mm-hmm. not purposely, not intentionally, mm-hmm. but like from their perspective of, you know, um, God's got this, you just trust in him and just move on. And it's like, mm-hmm. I hear you. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> what does that even mean? You know, mm-hmm. um, or, you know, things like, well, at least Nora's in heaven. And it's like, also, what does that mean? <laughs> right. right <laughs> Nor is right, not right. in my arms. So, you know, that yeah. that was that was my preference. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, people would say things too, like, well, twins were gonna be a lot of work. So oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, and, but even as a mom, there was a part of me that was like, Yeah, twins, maybe I wouldn't have been able to handle twins. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and so then there's like this guilt of like being okay mm-hmm. because it's like you know you start to feel bad for being okay mm-hmm. oh yeah I have you seen the video um with that Brene Brown made about humanism I have um, not it's so I love her yeah it's like it's like little woodland creatures it's a cartoon oh adorable and um and it's really short and simple I can I can send you the link um, Please, but yeah but it's it's basically about this idea that so often there's an added layer of shame when people are experiencing something difficult and we can't help them. Our instinct is to either try and fix it for them mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. like inadvertently, like not intentionally, we other people. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the video, it's sort of this like little, you know, sad animals in this hole and like in depression and the other animals mm-hmm. like, well, at least you still have <laughs> this. Yes. And like, um, and so the video really, yeah, shares this idea that like anytime we say something, at least you're <laughs> right. you're you're negating somebody's experience. It's like yes, yeah. that's true, but right now that's not what I'm focusing on. What I'm focusing right. on is this pain yeah. that I'm having. Yeah. Um, so it's I like yeah, the, not to be rude, but it's like well, you're about right. to be rude, right? right. Or, I'm not racist or anything, but it's like well, you're about to say something racist. I believe. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes, and same. Yeah. And it is you know I think that's the hard part when you're going through grief is you see other people's uncomfortability mm-hmm. and you start to edit yourself because you're mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to make them uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Cause I, you know, I don't think anyone in our experience was ill-intentioned. Um, and um, so it was that, you know, well, it doesn't seem like people typically have capacity to handle this conversation. I'm just, so I'm just not going to have it. Mm-hmm. I can't have it um, because I don't want to get hurt and I don't want to put them in a position where this is too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to talk about Nora. Like I wanted to talk about Nora. Mm-hmm. I didn't get to ask questions about Nora. Mm-hmm. Like I wanted to ask, but I will say, you know, and especially because, so the, the, the interesting part of this story was, I mean, one, the timing was that this happened the day after my baby shower. 
Mm-hmm. So I had duplicates of everything. And I had to go back through and return all the duplicates. Uh. And, you know, I mean, like big things, like I had two strollers and two car seats and, you know, two high chairs and just things that, um, yeah, like it was just those duplicates, you know, and, and that was part of the grieving process. And I actually embraced that mm. a part of like saying goodbye. And I, I, for myself made it very intentional in my spirit to say like, this is something tangible that mm. I'm going to do. Um, I mean, it was so very painful, mm-hmm. but I think because of how much avoidance happened, it, it at least was something that mm-hmm. felt like I could do because mm-hmm. we didn't have a service because again, people were like, well, why would you have a service for someone who was never born Wow. or, you know, or, you know, like wow. in the, on the flip side, you know, I think my mom was, was one of the only people that was the most sensitive and my mom, you know, was very much like, well, I think we should have Mm. some kind of ceremony or, you know, something. And my, and my husband was like, well, that's, this sounds really sad. That sounds really painful. Like, why would we do that? That sounds like we're wallowing. So we're not Mm. doing that. Mm. And, um, so again, it's like these, these, the dichotomy of, Mm you know, people and and their opinions about a life that has not actually been birthed Mm. into, um, into existence here. And, you know, how do we talk about it? You know, Mm. cause, cause it's just like, you know, I didn't, um, I didn't know her. Um, I mean, I felt like I knew her cause I was growing her in my body and Mm. I could feel her, you know, her, um, movements were significantly different than Sloan's movements. Mm. I could tell the difference between the two, Mm. you know, so there were things that I knew that I felt, um, that, you know, like probably to the outside, you know, person is hard to describe. Mm finding out that Nora had passed away, the next question was, I'm only 30 weeks along here. Mm-hmm. Like it is too early as when a, when a baby dies in utero, if they are kept in utero, sometimes those tissue, you know, tissue can break down. Mm-hmm. And so my gynecologist, you know, had said, this is a real possibility. And so it's just something to be aware of. Like, and it, I didn't feel capable to make decisions at that time, um, you know, to decide what I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a friend who had had a stillborn baby, um, very close in time frame. It had to have been within like four or five months. And she had actually, um, held her baby, spent time mm-hmm. with her baby and even had photos taken with her baby mm-hmm. and her baby, um, had, you know, significant, um, physical defects. And, um, you know, and I remember my husband commenting at the time that I was telling him and showing him the pictures. And he was just like, that's just awful. That's grotesque. Mm. And, you know, that informed 
to some degree this decision that we ended up making where we had decided we're not going to um, we're not going to see Nora mm-hmm. and we're just going to focus on Sloan. We're just going to accept Sloan um, and Sloan's birthday and we want it to be happy. We don't want to focus on on these sad things. And um, I kind of regret that. Mm. Actually, I regret it a lot. I think mm. I don't know what what it would have done for me, but yeah, I I do regret it. Mm. Yeah, I. And the the so when we went into delivery, um, it was an emergency. You know, we um, I went to an appointment, so it was four weeks later. I went to an appointment, and at that appointment, my doctor's like, okay, well. Um, you know, you're only two weeks early, but, um, you're leaking amniotic fluid. It's time to just get Sloan out and just, Mm -hmm. she's healthy. She's fine. Let's do it. So that was also a whirlwind because it was like, I, I went to my doctor's appointment when I was Mm. on my lunch break. (laughs) Wow. And, you know, it's just like my desk at work is, you know, it's just like, I was calling my work saying, Hey, sorry, um, I'm in the middle of payroll. Good luck with that. Mm. Um, but I'm not coming back, (laughs) Mm. you know, and just, um, again, feeling like responsibility and like all of these duties of life kind of tend Mm -hmm. to kick in and you just, you don't take the time to really wrap your brain around the emotional and mental stuff that's happening. Mm Mm-hmm. So I, you know, again, like we're going through kind of just checking all the boxes and all the medical stuff and, you know, take childcare for my other child and just, you know, all the things. And um, the hospital I'm so grateful for, we, we went to McMinnville Hospital, and so it's a little mm-hmm. bit smaller than Salem. And they had actually called in two specific nurses for my delivery, Mm -hmm. um, because of its special nature Mm -hmm. and, um, the hospital really, I think took really specific steps to, to make this delivery, um, compassionate Mm -hmm. and mindful and my God, I'm glad someone did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, it just, um, nobody was pausing around me and I wasn't pausing Mm. to say like, this is a lot is (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, can we just take a moment for that? And the nurses, um, both of the nurses who, who they called in came and, um, they were very much in that, like, let's, Mm. let's sit in this moment and Mm. just, you know, like, let's just, um, prepare our hearts, you know, Mm. and like, let's talk about this like family. Mm. And, you know, we, they asked us that same question of like, so, you know, do you, do you want to spend time with Nora Mm. um, before, you know, she's taken to autopsy? Mm. And we told her, you know, we told our nurses no. And, um, and so then, so delivery happened. It was very whirlwind. Sloan was very healthy. Everything was great. Um, And then it was the next day and my husband was gone and one of the nurses, actually both of them came back and, you know, I was there by myself, Sloan was sleeping and they were like, as women and as moms, we, we know, like, we know what you're going through and what, you know, needs you're probably not having met. Mm. 
And we know that like the decision that you had to make yesterday was Mm. unthinkable and Mm. difficult. And so they were just like, we, um, one, we want you to know that Nora was perfect and that we held her and hugged her tight and, um, and, and cared for her and honored her Mm. in a way that we know you, you would have wanted to. Mm. And, um, they also did a card for her, like with her footprints Mm. and gave that to me. And, um, and it was kind of funny. I had, I was, on Pinterest, like while I was pregnant and I made a bunch of little baby booties from Mm. a Pinterest uh, pattern. And the very first Pinterest pattern I had done was they were way too tiny. They were like teeny tiny. (laughs) And I saved them though, because I'm like, they're just so dang cute, but (laughs) obviously they won't fit anybody. Like no baby has these tiny feet. And you know, then I made normal size ones. And Mm. it just so happened that when I looked at those footprint cards, I was like, Oh my God. Wow. These little baby booties that were way too tiny actually are the same size as the feet on that card. And so I I saved those and I, Mm. um, I do have personalized gifts from the baby shower, Mm. like, cause a lot of people had bought us personalized gifts Mm. that said Sloan and Nora. Mm. And so a lot of the, those things I did save. So I have a Mm. little Nora box that I do Mm. have. Um, but just those nurses, like, thoughtfulness Mm -hmm. as moms and as women and coming back to me and just um voicing that and and being there with me um was really really beautiful Mm -hmm. Mm. wow Rosie I mean I'm really touched by your story it's um it's powerful and yeah, a couple of things really stick out for me. One is that that contrast that you lay mm-hmm. out of like what a world of difference it makes the way that we interact with each other. Um, and I think it, I think it's Maya Angelou who says like, "Be kind for everyone is fighting a hard battle." Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that that your story embodies that idea that like we don't know where people are at. So let's be kind as default. Like let's, yeah. let's hold each other through things. Cause life is really hard sometimes. And mm-hmm. so I'm just really touched by those nurses that they like held your heart and they held your daughter. Like it's such a beautiful holding that mm-hmm. they did. And that's, you know, as we're in social work school, like I feel like that's the work that, um, you know, that we, that we can do in the world is just hold, hold each other in those, you know, literally and spiritually and, you know, philosophically. So I, I really love that. Um, and I think at one point you used the word invisible and that really sort of echoed in my ears, you know, this idea of like having an invisible grief, you know, mm-hmm. something that you held that, no one, you know, it seemed like was able to hold for you or with you. Um, and so that's like an, it's like a double grief. It's like, I'm feeling this thing and the grief of like not being able to make that visible or to share it or, um, and, you know, I think that like COVID really highlights this feeling of loneliness. Mm -hmm. And I can only imagine how lonely 
you know, to be feeling an experience and then not not have someone else to help validate that. Or you know, maybe it sounds like you did have other people for sure, but yeah. um, like the world at large. Yeah. Well, it's just so unique. It's um, even mm. the people in my life that were compassionate and you mm. know, there it's like this um, kind of grief is just so odd. It's, mm. um, you know, and I'm sure mothers of miscarriage and, you know, mothers of, of babies who have passed away prior to birth, like experience this really difficult question about mm-hmm. life. Yeah. And, um, you know, cause when someone's lived on this earth, you know, we validate that grief mm-hmm. so clearly mm-hmm. because, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, you knew that person, you loved mm-hmm. that person, you have memories to, to prove that you're allowed to Mm. feel attached to them Mm. and you're allowed to grieve their loss because the loss makes sense, Mm. you know, but when a child has not, you know, yet been born, Mm. you know, there is kind of like, because our society is so like, move on, get over it. It Mm. is kind of like, well, you didn't even know them. Mm. I mean, that's like grieving a celebrity. You didn't Mm. really know them. Mm. And it's like, Mm. "Mm, I hear that. (laughs) I, I hear that. And mm. um, I, you know, I don't, you know, what happens to us as women um, when we, we form a human is mm. um, somewhat inexplainable and it's, mm. um, it's complicated, super complicated. Mm-hmm. And spiritually speaking, it calls forth so many questions mm that some of us have taken the time to explore and some of us have not. And Mm -hmm. some of us have the tools to explore those questions and some of us don't. Mm -hmm. So it's tough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, very eloquently said. And, and I, um, I just, I feel really grateful that you were willing to share the story. Um, And it's clear that, you know, I, there's just something really, there's like, I, I just feel a lot of strength from you of like having gone through this thing that, um, I mean, I don't, I don't even know if I have words for like what to call that kind of a process, <laughs> like, but um, it's been but, five years and I don't even. <laughs> right. Right. So, so you went through this thing, this like crucible, you know, and, and for you to, you know, talk about it and be so, you know, clearly it's shaped your world. And I, yeah, I just think I just, yeah, want to, I just want to mirror that strength to you. Um, and not, not in a, like, not in dismissive of the pain, sort of like, you're strong, (laughs) you got through it, but (laughs) more just like, I'm in awe, I'm in awe of that. And, um, yeah, so grateful to, to be able to hear that from you. So Mm. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And Mm -hmm. I want to reiterate also that like, we don't really know each other. Like we have this (laughs) class together and we haven't even really talked to each other before. So thank you for being vulnerable to like, Mm -hmm. yeah, take that risk to share with me. Well, I looked at your project and I just, um, I was inspired and grateful that you are doing, you know, this work, that you are um, doing that project, that you are having those conversations with people. 
I can only imagine um, just what those conversations, those interviews did for their hearts mm-hmm. um, and how they've carried that forward in, in how they are there for, you know, others who they see grieving. Because like you said, too, this is inevitable. Mm-hmm. And um, while we all experience our own grief, it's funny because then when we have to show up for other people's grief, it mm-hmm. still is really hard. Like mm-hmm. I still like I have experienced grief and yet mm-hmm. still find it very difficult to know what to say or do um, for someone else. Mm-hmm. So um, mm-hmm. what you are doing is beautiful mm-hmm. and courageous and helpful. I just want to say one more thing, which is that I am not an expert. I'm not here to tell people how to grieve or heal or what death is or isn't. My main goal with this project is simply to create space for us to share our stories about death and dying. And from that collective experience, enable all of us to feel less alone in facing the challenges of grief and loss. Thank you for listening, for being brave and vulnerable and for your time. Any questions or comments, please get in touch with me. I'd love to hear from you and perhaps share your story too.